Hello and welcome to day 87 of our Bible reading course. The physical resurrection of Jesus was a constant theme in the preaching of the early church, as we have seen. But it seems that in Corinth, perhaps with all their emphasis on spiritual gifts and experiences, some had begun to downplay its importance, or even deny it altogether. Certainly the pagan culture around them didn't believe in it, so perhaps it was just a Paul thing that they could ignore, especially, as would become more apparent in 2 Corinthians, since some were denying he was a proper apostle in the first place. Today's passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is Paul's lengthy and passionately argued response. Let's pray. Eternal God, how true it is that we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from your mouth. Provide me now with spiritual food that will energise and sustain me as a man or woman of faith. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the Twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. 
for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done all this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptised for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptised for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendour of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendour of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendour, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendour. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, The first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. 
Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. In this wonderful and inspiring chapter, Paul gives the Corinthians two reasons why the resurrection of Jesus is so important. Firstly, because it's a foundational article of faith. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. And secondly, because of the direct connection it has to their own resurrection as believers at the end of time. This latter point has already influenced much of what Paul has written in this letter, such as about sexual morality and their bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit, observing the Lord's Supper as a sign of God's new community until he comes, or the supremacy of love that will endure into the future when all things find their completion. So as he comes to the end of the letter, Paul draws all this together and presents the resurrection of both Jesus and those who believe in him as a bedrock of the faith, and certainly not some minor optional matter that they could take or leave. Hence the reference to Christ's death and resurrection being according to the scriptures. The mention of his appearances to Peter, the twelve apostles, James the Lord's brother, Paul himself on the road to Damascus, and on one occasion to a crowd of over 500 people. This is something that really happened in time and space, a literal, physical resurrection of someone who had died, and it was an integral element of the gospel they had heard and believed in. Jesus' resurrection was also a firstfruits of the resurrection of all who are in Christ, as we saw in Paul's letter to Rome. When Jesus returns to earth at the end of time, those who have died will rise to resurrection life. Then will come the new heavens and new earth, and the final defeat of death. To answer the inevitable question about what this resurrection body will look like, Paul uses an extended metaphor of a seed sown in the ground. Just as the flower or plant that grows up from it is of the same essence as the seed, and yet different, so will be the Christian's resurrection body. But the changes will all be for the better. Imperishable. Glorious. Empowered. Spiritual. And heavenly. In the middle of this chapter is a strange reference to people being baptised on behalf of believers who had died before having had the chance to do so themselves. We don't know anything about this, and it was a short-lived practice. But perhaps it was done out of a sense of wanting to bring assurance that the person really did belong to Jesus. Ideas about the afterlife have always been important to societies ancient and modern. Today's culture seems to have very mixed and muddled beliefs. On the one hand, many people seem to hold on to the idea of heaven in some form, a better place where their loved ones have gone. 
And yet our thoroughgoing secular worldview seems to have no room for anything beyond death. What is my experience in talking to people about this subject? How clear am I about the resurrection of Jesus as a historical event? And of his people at the end of time, when he comes again? And how confident am I to state and explain this to others who don't really understand? Paul describes his trials and sufferings for the gospel as being worthwhile because this world is not all that there is. What encouragement can I take in the various ways I serve Christ and seek to witness to him that my labour in the Lord is not in vain? Crown him the Lord of life, who triumphed o'er the grave, and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save. Risen Lord Jesus, I worship you today because you are the first and the last, the living one, who holds the keys of death and Hades. As Peter told the crowds at Pentecost, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on you. And I praise you for the sure and certain hope of resurrection for all who put their trust in you. My future is secure in your hands, whatever this world may bring. I pray for anyone I know who is having doubts or second thoughts about their faith may be wondering if it's true or not, or struggling to make sense of things like resurrection in such a secular age that sees the universe as a closed system and often marginalises or ridicules those who believe in God. Help them, I pray, with their questions and wonderings, to explore and wrestle with the deep truths they have known, that they may come to a new place of clarity and assurance with a faith that is genuinely and authentically their own. In Jesus' name. Amen.